You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 315, we're discussing Moon Knight first reactions, the Batman's deleted scene, and a brief Oscar recap. I'm on your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. The episode that almost didn't happen because Carlos and I are so dag tired from the week, but it is happening right now because we cannot leave a Thursday without an episode of the Nerd Room Podcast. Carlos, it's been a long week already, and it is Tuesday. <laughs> I know. I, w- I was going to pull the pull the pin on this one, and you were like uh, Rachel Ghoul at the beginning of Batman Begins with the, <laughs> the I'm, I'm exhausted, and just the kick to the chest, saying <laughs> the podcast doesn't wait. It doesn't. It doesn't. And neither does any of the stuff we're going to talk about this week. We're actually going to bring you something a little unique for the Nerd Room in the sense that these Wednesday drops for all these streaming services that are happening usually leave us a bit out of sync with what's going on and our reactions to these new shows that are dropping. And so what we're going to do, we're recording an episode on Tuesday here, and then I'm going to drop my first thoughts on Moon Knight in tomorrow, and you'll have this as a complete podcast but you're not going to hear Carlos's first reactions until next week. Wanted to make sure we caught a little bit of that. We can't do a prelude episode because, look, this comes out on Thursday. Mostly we've already seen Moon Knight. And then it becomes a redundant episode that you don't need to listen to. And we want you guys to listen to the Nerd Room. So that's going to be a little different. But we're going to touch, of course, Carlos. The Batman has been on the tip of the tongue for the last couple of weeks. It has been weighing heavy on the wallet. But now we've got a deleted scene here with the joker in it that we have to discuss because man it gave me chills watching this repeatedly i've put i've got at least 30 minutes of this deleted scene behind me and (laughs) we've got to break it down just a little bit and of course we're gonna recap the oscars just very briefly we're gonna talk a bit about our space what happened there in and out with Zack Snyder's justice league the army of the dead now being oscar recognized feature films so we're gonna break a little bit of that down we're also gonna touch on early reactions from morbius and also this new top gun trailer because i watched it and i was like man i need my jolt of nostalgia inside of the nerd room this week so ben let's get to it let's get right into the news for this week over in this week in nerd Welcome, everyone, to This Week in Nerd, our weekly news segment where we break down the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. Now, the greatest from the world of nerd over this past month has, of course, been the Batman, both in plastic and on film and in discussion and discourse. It has been something that continues to blow everything and everyone away. And now they've added a small piece. Matt Reeves came at us last week with this deleted scene that we had been hearing whispers of, promises of even, and it's now in front of us. Goddamn Batman, here with us in the nerd room. Tell me about this scene. Tell me about the Joker in Matt Reeves' world. And is this can like is this a piece of this universe? Now, that's something that I always think about with deleted scenes. They're in the movie, but the way this has been released, I, I want to say it's part of the universe now, right? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. You don't go out and cast a great actor like Barry Keown and have him play an iconic character like the Joker without having a, a bit of thought put to what role this character has in the world now and where it could be going forward. And um, Matt Reeves has talked about the fact that the Joker is... or whoever he is, he's not quite the Joker. So that's part of what he said, Mm -hmm. but that he's not fully formed and that these two already have history together. And I thought this scene did an amazing job conveying that there is a run in between the two of them. And obviously Batman has a bit of a grudging respect for him, or at least sees some value in what he can bring to this particular investigation. And uh, yeah, man, much like yourself, I, I loved it. I adored it. And it was the most interesting deleted scene of all time because it's fantastic. I thought the performances were great. I thought it was shot really well. Uh, I loved just the 
the subtleties and the detail that they had with things like the paperclip. However, I fully agree with the decision to delete the scene from the movie. 100% agree on that too. For sure. It would have taken too much time away and it would have shifted people's mindsets way too rapidly and for too long inside of the film. Yeah, and it would have, you know, the Joker always sucks some of the air out of the room just by virtue of his character and how popular he is. So you would have had people thinking about that. But also, the Joker, I think the most brilliant thing of the movie and one of my favorite aspects of it is that it's not until the climax that Batman realizes, like, He's being the detective. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's solving the riddles. But the piece that he misses is that reflection piece where he's so oblivious to himself and how he operates that he doesn't see that the Riddler idolizes him. And he doesn't, you know, like yeah. I, I love the El Rada Lada thing that it's the penguin who's like, what does that sound like? It sounds like a freaking bat because Bruce is so focused on his mission and that he's in the right and that he's doing this the right way that he doesn't pick up on the fact that, yeah, a rat with wings is a bat. Or if he does, he just disregards it, which is kind of what my, uh, my assessment of that was, is that yeah, he didn't, he wouldn't think that the Riddler's talking about him. And then he has that interaction with the Riddler. And then the, the real stick pin in it is when he pummels that um, uh, Riddler follower who then says, you know, I'm vengeance. Then he realizes that he's been going about this the wrong way and mm -hmm. that he, he's kind of inspiring the wrong guys. And so to have the Joker lay that all out far earlier in the film would have really taken away yeah. from that subtle piece of character development that's subtle but yet so important to the entire movie. So, yeah, I'm glad they took it out because the Joker would have taken so much agency away from Batman, mm -hmm. but it's a great scene. And I like, I love that it exists. And I love that the filmmaker was astute enough to say, as fantastic as this is, and as much hype as this would generate, it's in the best interest of the movie to take it out. It's not an easy scene to delete, not an easy character to take out almost entirely out of the film. Yes, we do get a, a cameo with him and the Riddler towards the end. But realistically, I agree with everything you're saying here. And it is quite an astute point to, to put out there about that subtle character. development. That's not something that I, I really caught, but well, I caught the character development, but that how much impact this scene put potentially could have had on that. And so, yeah, that even reinforces the, the thought again, that it needed to come out. But what, what about Joker? The look here, the disfigured look, man, I was watching this at lunch. I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch it during lunch. Like it's a five minute scene. It's a solid scene. But I had to turn it off because I was physically feeling like I couldn't finish my lunch looking at the slow reveal of Joker. Like they go with the hands first and then they're kind of drifting around the head, the back of the head. And then eventually you see the full face and the smile, right? It's a slow reveal. It's not like, boom, here's the Joker. And the disfigured look, there's a bit of discourse online about people not saying, okay, we're, we're kind of over this disfigured look and all that. I really like it. I think it, it fits the universe. It fits this character. And obviously, yes, something has happened to get him there. Like, that looks pretty recent, a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And this idea, concept that Matt Reeves introduces that he's not actually a fully formed Joker yet. I'm digging everything there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just in the way that it's shot, they buy themselves a lot of leverage to change the look and that they're mm -hmm. not committed to the timeline. Like, you don't know if he's just been disfigured five days before that scene yeah. or if it's been well I guess like 23 months because we're in year two type of thing mm -hmm. right so depending on where we are on that timeline but uh, yeah for a guy to sustain those injuries it's not out of the realm of possibility that he just hasn't fully healed so that gives him yeah. some room to play with and you know for his hair to grow back in and yeah I I don't have a strong dislike for the look. And like you said, I think it really fits in this world mm -hmm. as to, you know, making him stand apart in that his uh, appearance is over the top from the other characters, but at the same time kind of rooted in a bit of a reality as well. But 
yeah, I, I personally hope that they tone it down a bit because he was so unpleasant to look at. Uh, it just couldn't. Like, to me, it, it is a relatively recent injury, the way that mm-hmm. the wounds look. But I, I'm dead serious. I had to shut it off and finish that lunch before I went back to it because I I've yeah. honestly felt sick watching it. Yeah, no, I don't I don't blame you. Like, I think if they land on a look that falls in a bit of a hybrid space between the Jack Nicholson look and the Heath Ledger look, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty cool because yeah. I'd like to see the scarred up uh, face for the Joker and that's the reason for the smile because it just it makes sense and it's quick and easy storytelling. But I would like it to be a little more refined, like Jack's look was, mm-hmm. and his was scarred too. It just Tim Burton's like, oh yeah, this bullet flew right through his house or through his face, and the, the nerves were completely severed, Mister Napier. So, <laughs> yeah, and there's plastic surgery. Wonders can be done, right? Look at Mister Napier there as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I like that point. It's a good point you bring up that it can be refined because we didn't get really a full on look at him. Mm-hmm. and yeah you can always play with it's a year later and here comes the joker and so and your point too about that that history that was something that we had talked about in our review of it that we took away that there was an implied history with him and the riddler already and i dig that and this really reinforces that that the year one story probably is a joker story we may or may not ever see that i don't think we need to we just build off of this this mutual dialogue that the two of them have and maybe he becomes something down the road or maybe he's further developed in the arkham series who knows what they can do here but they can push this character and let him come way down the road we don't need a joker in part two here maybe he's a three or four who knows yeah i'd almost like to just see him be ever present through Mm -hmm. the next two or three movies and then you know if you cap your series at, at a five film series He's your big bad for the fifth movie type yeah. of thing, and and off you go, and uh, yeah, you basically have set up your Thanos with mm-hmm. the Joker, just yeah. kind of being there, but at the same time you get to explore a whole bunch of the other cool and different villains in Gotham City, and yeah, I I, I love the place that this franchise is in because it's grounded enough that we can tell stories in that realm and keep it there, but it's also fantastical enough that we can branch out into whatever else you have and your storyteller is talented enough that he'll make it work i'm sure so yeah definitely is this the first time since the 66 movie that we've had joker riddler penguin and catwoman all in the same film and the, oh, yeah. i guess the mob too but we've we've never haven't had anything like that before right nope no nope, that's wild nothing. i love that <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love that he teased it so far out. Like, I remember back when this thing was first in its initial stages of planning, Matt Reeves tweeted out a picture of the Batman 66 costumes. He was at some uh, film museum, and they had those, and he focused on the Riddler, the Penguin, and then Catwoman was kind of in the corner, and the, there was a picture of the Joker on the wall behind them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love that. <laughs> so good. Well... It, it keeps the Batman on the tip of the tongue, right? We're four weeks in, I think, five, four or five weeks in. Um, four weeks, yeah. Four weeks. And people are still talking about how good it is. People are still getting their viewings in. And this scene just reinvigorates that discussion online again. And the discourse around it is great. So I love seeing more from the Batman. And Reese was very pointed in saying there's not many of them, but here it is. Right. So there's not much left. Right. I I wouldn't expect much more. There might be maybe a lingering Batman and Catwoman scene. I don't know that was cut, but I'm just throwing something out there. But it looks like the movie he shot is what made it to screen, which is Mm -hmm. which is really cool, too. Well, yeah. And that's just the hallmark of a good filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Right. You do all your work in the pre-planning and doing your storyboarding and reworking it over and over and over again until you've got it nailed down and then you just go out and shoot the thing so yeah. it doesn't blow up your budget and you're good and efficient and like that's how marvel studios does it denny villeneuve did dune to a similar mm-hmm. in a similar fashion and yeah you, you do the work beforehand instead of making it up on the fly yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man well let's see let's see how this i guess this will eventually drop on a blu-ray or a digital release and potentially see more 
but that scene is out there. They put it out there for the world to see. And, and here you go. And you've also got that Riddler year one comic that they announced last week, I believe. So building out that, that story, that franchise a little bit more in different avenues, it's going to be built on the small screen as well, which is really cool. So the Batman isn't going anywhere. And this universe continues to deliver all of the goods that we want and, in a very different and new feeling way for for the Batman. Look, we've been through so many universes with this character and we continue to find ways to make it interesting or they, I should say, not we. And I'm digging it, I'm loving it. And I I can't wait to the next steps here in the Batman. So man, well, I don't know. I don't know how we follow that one up. Maybe I should have left that till a little bit later on in the episode, but let's talk about the Oscars. The Oscars were Sunday night. I did not watch them. I did not know they were happening, and I feel really bad because our boys over at Vigilante 1939 got super stoked about them. They've been really invested in their Oscar predictions and watching these movies. I have seen none of the movies except for the one that maybe shouldn't have been there and don't look up. Don't know why that was on the the Best Picture (laughs) nominee, but sure, it doesn't really matter. But we're not going to run through a whole recap of that, of the whole event and everything that went on and some of the other stuff, but look. Your guys' movie. I should probably see Dune based off of the Oscar wins that took home last night. All of the technical categories, including big ones like cinematography and score, the visual effects, film editing, production design, sound in general. Like, this movie took away almost everything. So I should probably sit and watch this, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, it's just – and you've got a good setup down there to really enjoy the movie and – yeah, it's wonderful. I I love this movie not as much as my kid loves it, and um, only only partially fueled by the Chalamet love. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's great, and you know th- that Troy is still always gushing about it and stuff when he messages me. Like it's a just a great movie. It, it does confound me as to how you get all these nominations, all these wins, and then the guy that puts all those pieces into place as the mm-hmm. director doesn't get a nomination yeah. it's bias against canadians or something i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah like all the love to denis villeneuve because it was a master class in filmmaking honestly i ended up making it to the oscars having watched all the movies except for ironically the winner <laughs> and like dune should have been far far more prominent in the conversation as to a best bonafide best picture winner mm. Uh, you know, and I'm going to assume that Coda was fantastic and deserved the win, and that's cool. But, yeah, like, I'm sorry to folks that love it, but that Power of Dog movie, good Lord, it almost cost me my marriage. Cause my, <laughs> my wife was legitimately angry at me for having chosen that for our weekend viewing, the weekend that we watched it, because, good Lord, it is terrible. Yeah, Not you even chose seeing... that over Adam Project too, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. But yeah, not even being able to see Benedict Cumberbatch's Eye, Eye of Agamotto was able to save the entertainment value of that movie. It's a couple hours I'll never get back. Well, that's probably a hard pass for me then. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but- I don't know if it's just because I grew up in Alberta and we got to watch so many movies about life on the prairies, but I'm just like, this is like a more boring version of the things we used to have to watch in social studies all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> you kill me. <laughs> but you mentioned Coda there. Coda, I have not seen that. Very, very high praise from, from Nico and Zeddy in that. But big thing for that is it's the first streamer to take home that prize, which mm-hmm. is a big stamp for that format and for what they're delivering on these services, right? And there's a couple nominations on there too. So the streamer movies are getting the praise now and getting the, into the award season. They have for the last couple of years, but um, it's interesting to see that for the first time, something like that is, is walking away with the big top prize. But the other big thing here is Zack Snyder walked away with a couple, I guess you're calling them Oscar recognitions now. We have now, I, how do we put this into terms? Because we have to call, according to Sunny, we have to call... Suicide Squad, the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. So what is this? The Oscar-recognized Army yeah, of the I Dead? Guess so. yeah. <laughs> and the Oscar-recognized Zack Snyder's Justice League. So Justice League, it won for or is recognized for the Oscar cheer moment. So that won out over No Way Home in the big Spider-Man battle, as well as Avengers Assemble and Endgame. 
And then the fan favorite Oscar went to Army of the Dead. (laughs) I don't laugh because of reasons, but yes, that's why I'm laughing. (laughs) You almost have to mention the other two movies that that it beat out, right? One being the Amazon Prime Cinderella movie. Yes, which... I watched with my children, and they were, like, off playing behind us. They had no interest. And it was not yeah. good. And the other one was, like, some Johnny Depp movie I'd never, ever heard of. <laughs> sure. Until I looked it up after the Oscars. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, man, the, you know, uh, it's cool that if you liked Army of the Dead, and there it is, the recognition. But I, I am happy The Flash is getting that recognition on the, the Speed Force. And, you know, you got to break the rules, Barry. Yeah, you know what? I, w- I was legitimately happy to see that one win. Mm-hmm. It, like, it was somewhat hilarious that, I don't know, maybe one of the most maligned movies of the last <laughs> decade got to have a bit of a showcase on the Oscars. But it, to its credit, like, as far as being a cheer moment, that was actually the one scene out of all the ones that were nominated that I didn't actually expect to see coming. Like, I remember watching the movie mm-hmm. being like, you know... Um, Things go down when Victor combines or the mother boxes combine. And I'm just like, oh, what's going to happen now? And then, like, Barry goes into the speed force. And that was the one, like, I legitimately did not see that coming Mm -hmm. at all. And it was, yeah, it was a bit of a shocker and a bit of a cheer. So, yeah, that one was cool. The the Army of the Dead, go back and listen to our review and thoughts of it because it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, we, we gave some sentiment on some of the Netflix stuff coming out, <laughs> out of out of that shop recently and kind of falls into one of those two buckets. And you can you can go back and listen as to what bucket it probably falls in. But yeah, needless to say, it is a, a cool and different way, I guess, to introduce some of the movies that you aren't traditionally seeing on this platform. And hey, it is what it is. There's still a lot of complaints about the Oscars and how they cut all the technical stuff and you know, is it actually showcasing what it should be showcasing? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I really don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it there's a bit of shine food in my part where that it kind of blew up in their face. Like you, you could see what they were going for. And then, yeah, they, they ended up with having to recognize Army of the Dead on their telecast. But, you know, that, that's what happens when you play silly games. Like, honestly, Oscars... Academy, if you're listening to this podcast, just celebrate the movies. Just yep. start the show, start giving out awards. We don't need performances. We don't need comedians. We don't need skits. Just celebrate the movies. Honestly, the, the thing I love the most about Oscars is the music and seeing scenes from these different movies to get mm-hmm. me excited about them. Yeah. Just give me that. And your show will be short and it'll be a celebration of the actual art mm-hmm. as opposed to malarkey. Well, that's it too. Like the, the showcasing of the films is, is exactly it. I'm more likely now to go watch Coda because mm-hmm. it won this. And it's, it's, you know, we've got good recommendations from friends and that. And so, yeah, Dune, it's always been at the list, but it's, it's a little higher now. It's probably something I'm going to watch this weekend because it is such an experience as you guys have put it. And it's the fact that it's winning things like cinematography for me is one, like one of the biggest awards in my head. And, and score too, that, that it's such an important piece of the storytelling that in the absence of it, you don't have a good movie. Like you take the good cinematography, yes, a lot of pieces have to come to place. I'm not trying to discount anyone else's contributions, but the cinematography makes such a difference for me. Well, and cinematographer from the Batman, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So there you go. Yeah, and they both are gorgeous. Well, I haven't seen Dune yet, but I'm assuming it's a gorgeous <laughs> It is. It is. It's a beautiful movie. All right, man. Let's talk about a little nostalgia here. It's something that has consumed my life. But on a, on a different part of it is the nostalgic aspect of filmmaking. We've seen a lot of franchises coming back over the last couple of years and trying to find the footing again that made them popular in the 80s or the 90s and kind of really bringing things back. And one of those franchises is Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick. We got a new trailer for this film that finally is dropping on May 27th. It's a long-awaited sequel that has really suffered from like massive release delays because of COVID-19. But Tom Cruise is, is back in the pilot's chair, and he is whipping through the skies. I got to say, and the only reason we're talking about this is because I watched it before we recorded, and I was like, all I want to do is say I love 
that 80s vibe that it gives off and how much nostalgia it brings back it's it is a very like a it is a true sequel that's happening what 30 years later if not more more 35 years later and yeah. i just love the vibe it gave off like that that's literally all i want to say about it when i'm talking like it's it is a fighter jet movie it is like an iron eagle or the original top gun that seems to be what it's exactly it's all about and that's all i really want we haven't had a good fighter jet movie since somewhere in the 90s so bring it on bring on top gun i know you might have another reason why you're going to watch it oh yeah well it's not even a reason i'm like forced to <laughs> because yeah my my wife is a is a top gun super fan like in, in fact i think last week she was wearing freaking top gun pajamas so nice. yeah i got i have no choice as to whether or not i want to spend time with maverick it's it's just like that that general says the call ordered Ma- maverick that's basically yeah. what it's all about and <laughs> and after my power of dog debacle oh, oh. i don't think i have any choice it's coming but, full circle on you. yeah <laughs> But to strap in, so I actually didn't watch the trailer just because um, I'm a little gun shy, and maybe it is the uh, the nostalgic mind's eye kicking in, saying you can't watch a trailer for an '80s or '90s movie because it shows you the whole thing. It kind of does no... this trailer, like it <laughs> yeah, very no much informed with with that. It tells you the story and shows you probably ninety percent of cutscenes of the whole movie. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So now I'm glad that I uh, <laughs> that that little subconscious voice was saying, you know what? Just don't watch it. You'll have to get something out of going to see the movie. So, yeah, it was a, definitely a good call. Like it, it for me. I'm probably not going to go see it in theaters, but I definitely will watch it on whatever streamer it drops on. Maybe I'll rent it. Who knows? But yeah, you're very much in step with the fact that it's funny you say that it is a, a typical '80s '90s trailer, but it's like. Hey, it's Jurassic Park. Here's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was just, <laughs> that's so funny that you say that because, yeah, I was just, I was gun shy of it for that exact reason. Not that I wasn't curious, but, um, yeah, like I said, I, I know that I have zero choice in uh, going to see Top Gun Maverick. So I was like, I better, might as well stockpile as many surprises as I can by not watching the trailer. So, well, it's good to hear, though, that it, you know, it got you excited enough that we're talking about it tonight. Well, so. yeah. And, like, purely enough that I got to, like, see a mustache on a dude. And, like, I was like, yep, that works. And fighter jets and some explosions. If, if look, if they can deliver just that, I think it'll be good at the end of the day, right? If you can go in, check yourself at the door and say, this is a Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise in it, I'm going to be good. <laughs> like, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Well, the production of it kind of has that Ghostbusters afterlife type of vibe in that they had those players somewhat willing, but the material had to be right. Yeah. And they were just waiting for, you know, the, the right story and something that warranted the return and doing it justice. Cobra Kai, same thing, mm-hmm. right? Ralph Macchio has talked about how many different things passed his eyes before that show came up. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it's uh, as enjoyable as those other projects were because, yeah, I love both Cobra Kai and... Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of nostalgia running around. A lot of late '80s, early '90s nostalgia, and I'm I'm all here for it. <laughs> oh yeah, and speaking of that, this is going to make me sound super lame, but the "Bring Back the Time" song by freaking New Kids on the Block. Been rocking that thing all day. It's a great song, not just because of the, the date drop in the chorus 89? either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, Carlos sent that to us earlier. Go go listen to it, guys, on YouTube. Maybe it, you can throw it up on Twitter. But my wife, I was standing there watching it on my laptop. My wife comes and she goes, what is this? And, like, both of us are just sitting there jamming. Our kid's like, what are you doing? We're just, like, head bobbing away at the top of the counter. Like, yeah, it's a great it's a great little tune. And, like, on Vogue and salt and pepper in it. So, yeah, you can't go wrong. Well, at first I couldn't figure out what it was. I was like, what is this? Is this a parody? And then I was like, no, this is, like, a, an actual song they put out on March 3rd. Yeah, but then they, like, yeah, they, and they just kind of, the video parodies. Yeah. 80s culture and 80s videos and yeah rick ashley sings the hook in the song too i think <laughs> oh man so good so good go check that out the nostalgia hit but last thing we're going to touch on here in this week in nerd is morbius so it's a movie that's coming out in a week or two i guess next week is it next week the week uh, after whenever it's no the first it. man it's day the after tomorrow 
Or yeah, it comes literally out this April week. Fool's Day. Yeah, literally <laughs> right. April Fool's Day. Okay, so it comes out this week. This is your prelude to Morbius, then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it came out next week, but all right. So we're getting another Sony Marvel movie that's falling inside of this slowly constructing Sony Marvel universe that eventually may or may not have a Superman. Definitely has a Venom. Spider Man. Spider Man. Yes, yeah, sorry, man. I got Superman on the mind. We'll talk about that one maybe some other day, but. <laughs> The whole thing, this this has been delayed, back, forth, up, down, sideways, whatever. But it's finally coming out. And the early reactions are here. I'm not really selling this movie, but the early reactions are here. They're not great. So it depends on what who you listen to or who you want to listen to. Maybe you have your favorite reviewer or whatever. Like Everything I saw wasn't fantastic. And a lot of it falls pretty flat there are some i guess highlights with what's his name matt smith apparently hams it up pretty good apparently the after credit scene isn't <laughs> it's a bit bananas but like the thing that that blows my mind when i hear this right and you know looking at it i think before if you go back and you watch some of the trailers and our reactions to them they were positive i think the trailers at least are intriguing enough but oh, yeah. how... Troy took it in the box office pool based on that first trailer. Oh, yeah. That was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, it reinforces how long it's been delayed. Yeah. So the, the thing that continues to, to baffle me is you got Venom 2. You've got No Way Home. You've got whatever Morbius is going to be. And you've got another franchise like Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse that's coming out later this year. How does the same studio do this? Like, what is going on? Like, let's just assume this movie is on par with Venom 2, which I've still yet to see. Oh, yeah, but, shit. <laughs> but, like, how does this keep happening? Like, what is going on? Is this a reflection of when this was actually made? Is this a reflection of the hand that Marvel Studios has on No Way Home and maybe what Lord Miller are doing in the Spider-Verse animated stuff, maybe they've got way more control over it. Is it the fact that Spider-Man is just something that Sony can do? Yeah, I don't... I don't know, man. Like, it, it is weird. And, like, if you've listened to two podcasts of this show, like, I, I thought Let There Be Carnage was spectacularly bad. And, like, I freaking love Venom. And it wasn't... It wasn't that it didn't adhere to anything that I'd seen before. It's just just a really bad, hammy movie. And, like, it's unfortunate to hear that this one kind of mm-hmm. is going to be following suit because I think they had something there, at least with the cast that they assembled and mm-hmm. um, some of the vibes of that first trailer. And, and Morbius, there's something to work with. Like, you have yeah, a tragic just... character. Yeah. There's so, story, yeah, play... there's people, there's the supporting cast there's like a vampire is something that we've seen and you can twist it up a little bit and do something a little different with it like it's all the pieces seem to be there yeah like the the really the hook for me is that you have a character who's a healer and you just you really play up the fact that he's taken the hippocratic oath and wants to do no harm but yet he's has this affliction in which he's a vampire and finds himself longing to drink blood and then you go from there right mm-hmm. um and there's pretty good character bits that you can play with but yeah i i don't know i i i truly don't have an answer for you as to why they they seem to struggle like maybe it's the folks that they're bringing in as their filmmakers right so you have john watts who has mm-hmm. made some decent spider-man movies and then you couple him with the Marvel Brain Trust to really take No Way Home to the next level, and then Lord and Miller on Into the Spider Verse. Like to this day, it baffles my mind that Into the Spider Verse not only works, but is one of the greatest pieces of superhero cinema that's mm-hmm. been put to screen. So, yeah, I, honestly, man, it might be that because you know you had Andy Serkis come in for Let There Be Carnage and. I love Alfred, but at the same time, I think that was maybe his second movie that he's made. Yeah. The first being that um, uh, kind of adult adaptation of The Jungle Book. But uh, yeah, I don't even know who made Morbius. So no clue. maybe that's where the investment needs to be made on Sony's part is in the filmmakers because the, the characters are great and there's potential there for something good, but 
yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you stink up the joint too many times. You're you're gonna end up ruining those characters. Yeah, and it's tough because I think we had like going back to those trailers, like you said, we had a lot of faith in this one and coming off the back of No Way Home. Like again, this was supposed to be a before No Way Home, and so it could be a bit of of legacy of maybe shifts in how they they pull things together that we're seeing. But we had a lot of hope this one was going to be another success and that Sony had kind of changed gears a little bit and were marching in a, a pretty solid direction with their universe and building up from the momentum that they had from things like Into the Spider-Verse and, and No Way Home more recently and constructing out that universe. And so it's difficult when you look at something that's been delayed this much, like years, and mm-hmm. it wasn't no one went back and refined it and said, okay, now we have time. Let's play around with this a little bit. Let's tinker a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, maybe it comes down to not wanting to invest any more money into it. But if a bunch of people, and we might be totally wrong here. We might be listening to the wrong reviewers or whatever. But if a bunch of people can see it once and be like, yeah, don't know what's going on here. This is a bit flawed. I don't know how someone that, and maybe it just becomes the goggles, but how someone from the outside that is providing insight into the studio before it's released isn't like, look, guys, there's something a little off here. Maybe we should yeah. go back and revisit X, Y, and Z. Like, I just don't know how it gets past like a QC <laughs> sometimes. You know, you watch them, you're like, how did anyone let this happen? Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to, uh, you know, see it in the past judgment firsthand, but mm. I'm not optimistic. Like, spoilers for our weekend nerd, but I went and saw the Batman again, but. I had a free ticket and I was like, you know what? I'm going to save this and force my youngest kid to go see Morbius with me <laughs> and uh, use the free ticket on that and I'll pay the money for the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There it is. A wise choice, my friend. A wise choice. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to wrap up the news portion of this podcast right here because right now I'm going to throw it to a post Moon Knight episode one version of myself to give the very first reactions for the new Disney plus show streaming in all its glory tomorrow, Wednesday day after we usually record. So I'm going to give my first reaction. So I will turn it over to you post Moon Knight first episode, Tim for your reactions and small review on this before we pick it up in a much larger way, a little bit down the road. All right, here we are to discuss just very briefly Disney Plus's fifth MCU live action streaming show in Moon Knight. Now, Moon Knight has got me quite excited because it is technically our first release of a Disney Plus MCU streaming series that is of an original character not seen previously in the MCU. Now, one could argue that Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, our last MCU show on Disney Plus, was the introduction and really framed up around a brand new character. But we had seen Hawkeye. We knew who Hawkeye was. And it really pulls out of a lot of established pieces of the MCU to bring forward into that show, including the Ronin arc and what we saw in Endgame and also the legacy of Hawkeye. But here with Steven, with Mark Spector, with Moon Knight, it's our first shot at seeing a brand new character introduced with new concepts and new pieces of this holistic, this grander story that they're telling inside of the MCU with Moon Knight. Now, first impressions on this, really enjoyed episode one. It was very, very engaging. Oscar Isaac has this awesome physical presence to him that he brings to the role here of Steven that we do see him as in this first episode. It is an episode entirely dedicated to introducing you to the concepts that we're going to see i think on a more continuous basis throughout the show here with the multiple personality getting a little bit of insight in there but spending most of our time with a character that really isn't the hero if you will in this story now we spent a lot of time with the character steven trying to understand what he's going through and i think that's the engaging part of this whole thing and what oscar isaac i think brings tenfold to the table here with this character 
I found myself really wanting to know more and learn more about this character, what he is going through, and it, and it really drew me into the story. You know, it doesn't go too deep into what we're going. This is a slow roll, slow build first episode. Sometimes they do release two episodes back to back to get you a much wider breadth and understanding as to what the series is going to be. I'm happy they stuck with one episode. It is engaging enough. It does enough groundwork to get you involved in the story enough that you're going to come back for episode two. We get a brief look just at the very end of Moon Knight of what Mark Spector, the other personality of this character that we're seeing laid out in front of us. And that is exciting. I like seeing them insert the Egyptian side of things, focusing not only in the museum, but also we see and get glimpses of Khonshu, the, the Egyptian god that has bestowed and imbued the powers of Moon Knight into this character. So there's a lot they can build on, a lot they can explore in this. But this first episode just does a really good job of giving you some insight as to how this is going to go. And I'm, I'm really kind of digging that piece of it. You know, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't big. There wasn't a lot of action sequences. And that is cool. It doesn't need to be that right out of the gate. It just needs us to get into episode two. And really, that's, that's all we wanted out of this one. So, yeah, this is a big thumbs up from me. I would go check this out. I'm not going to go into the depth because I think as someone that's watching it, you need to experience it a bit to appreciate what not only Oscar Isaacs, but the writers, the directors, and how this is being all set up. I think you need to experience that on your own. So go out there and check out Moon Knight. We'll check back in with Carlos next week to see what he thought of it. I personally don't have a ton of or really any Moon Knight background. So I'm going to experience this the same way a lot of other people are going to experience it for the first time and really enjoying the ride. I'm not out here trying to predict or trying to feel out how this is going to go based off of comic book experience, which is something that I'm not particularly used to on this side of things when it comes to Marvel. So that also excites me about this, is that I get to experience this MCU story in a different way than I usually would. So guys, Moon Knight, get out there, episode one. It is enough to get me into episode two for sure. The MCU, of course, is always going to get me there. But judging this based on the merits that I literally just watched, I just finished this like two minutes ago, Episode 2 can't come soon enough. Looking forward to breaking this down a little further with the guys and having a bit broader conversation online with everyone. So I will toss it now back to past Tim and Carlos as they will run you guys through our Week in Nerd. All right, I'm going to take the baton back from that Moon Knight discussion and review. I really hope I liked it. I really, really do hope <laughs> I liked it and that I wasn't spewing nonsense into my beloved MCU. I do have the utmost confidence that my future self did enjoy that. But we got to talk about some plastic on this episode now, Carlos. Over to my favorite segment of the week, and that is our Week in Nerd. All right, guys, you know what this is. This is our Week in Nerd, where we talk about all the toys that we've been picking up, that plastic anxiety that we have been chasing all week and hopefully satisfying by the end of the weekend. So, Carlos, hit me up here, man. We talked about nostalgia a lot in this episode. It's been a big piece of my life, especially over the last couple years and even into you know, this week. But I want to know what's what's been going on with you. You said you got a Batman viewing in. I so did. Is that number did. four or five? Five or six. <laughs> five or six. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, man, I I just love it, and it's it's just one of those like uh like our intro said, it's been a couple of longer grinding type of weeks, and uh, sometimes you just need that release. And with the Batman in theaters why not and so uh, it's been awesome like every single time every single time i take new things away not just with noticing easter eggs but just like some of the nuance and the the construction of the story and the character journeys and and it's just a beautiful movie to look at so yeah i i, I haven't gone yet and not thoroughly enjoyed myself so yeah the batman the batman was going to be it for my weekend nerd because i had a decent week last week and i was like you know what I'm consciously making an effort to unplug from the plastic for for a minute and not get anything. So make it through the weekend, 
didn't pick anything up and then I get the text from uh from the our plastic dealer saying we got some black series figures in what do you want and I can't even remember what all was on his list but um I honestly didn't even know what was going on but I flipped it to my kid and uh, I was just like yeah anything anything on here you, that you want and so it was like a shock trooper and Leia and Admiral Rampart and some Imperial Senate trooper no idea what any of those guys look like but there was a 212 trooper on there that like bought me this barrage of excited texts back from her saying like yeah yes. we need to latch onto this guy so um yeah I had some time so I hit the shop and he ended up having two available for me so I grabbed the two 212 troopers to join Commander Cody with uh General Kenobi so she's got a cool little display there and I actually posted some pictures up on um Twitter there if anybody's interested in uh, not only those figures but also the current status of the clone army so <laughs> those were there and uh you know while I was at the store for good measure um they hadn't had a chance to contact me personally yet, but they actually had the unmasked patents and Batman figure there oh, waiting for me. Wicked yeah. dude. I've been, every time I see a McFarlane, I'm going through all of them looking for that unmasked Batman figure. <laughs> yeah. So I've got him in hand now and he's, he's cool looking. Like I, I quite like the job that they did on the head sculpt of him, And uh, yeah, he's, he's rocking that Alice Cooper look and you know, I think they did a great job on both the unmasked Zoe Kravitz Catwoman and the unmasked Pattinson Batman. So, yeah, he was cool. I think this caps off my collection of those. That's I, awesome. I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that they'll make anybody else. If they do, I'm game. Joker, man. I, oh, shoot. I didn't even think of that. I don't know if they'll go that way because, like, we didn't get that full reveal as we kind of talked about, but it would be interesting for them to, to – I don't know how they could do that. They could do a two pack of yeah. him and uh, Nig and Nashton Nigma. Oh yeah, uh, that would be in cool. their yeah, oh man, Arkham like post it up suits. in their cells. That would be a cool two pack with the packaging all done up nicely. Yeah, one well, of the two packs he usually does like a cool base to link the figures together, like the oh, man, the newest that. one. Yeah, the White Knight one came with a bunch of flame because like in the comic they fought in flame, so it's this big flaming base type of thing. So. Yeah, maybe something like that. Cool. That'd be rad, cool. actually. Tell me this. Did, is the unmasked Pattinson head the same on the Drifter or whatever it is and the Batman? Like, is it the same head or is it two different head sculpts? Uh, two different ones. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, he's he's kind of looking more straightforward and he's got, like, different makeup and stuff mm -hmm. on the unmasked Pattinson one. And then, like... The regular version of the Drifter actually has like the gator mask on the bottom of his face. Yeah, yeah. As well. So yeah, this one he doesn't have like he's just he's just got kind of the Alice Cooper look with the black eyes and whatnot. Cool. Oh man, I'm glad I'm glad you've completed that line for now. I guess. And you had sent me a picture of the unmasked Zoe Kravitz Catwoman, and my comment to you was that looks better than the half ma like the mask down, which you would think well, she spends a bit of the, the movie like that, and that is the Catwoman look. But the Unmasked one, I think, looks awesome. Yeah, the Unmasked one is rad. Like, I, I do wish that they had one with, like, the half-mask look, mm -hmm. but I think it was kind of like with the Marvel Legends figures where they were working off the concept art, yeah. so they gave her the, the full mask and went, which which is fine. It's all right. My, uh, my youngest daughter, I think, has fallen in love with this movie a little bit, too. Because she uh, she was more than happy to take uh, the masked version of Catwoman and pose her up with uh, Margot Robbie's uh -huh. Birds of Prey Harley Quinn look and yeah I was I was unboxing it and I, she was just working on some art and I kind of peeked at what art she was working on and she had done a picture of Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman is what she was painting mm -hmm. so I was like oh I think uh, I think Matt Reeves has created a new fan so ah, that's awesome man yeah that's great yeah. to hear cool man well. I, yeah, McFarland delivers. It must it must feel good though that at least for now, maybe a bit of it is stopped. But <laughs> a bit of the Batman merchandise stuff isn't. Maybe some of the higher end stuff is starting to hit you now. But at least <laughs> at least that piece of it is done. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, they they got to be moving on to merchandising Morbius and Dumbledore and Sonic. 
Yeah, yeah. I think there's Black Adam. Kinda... I guess that's not until the fall now. But yeah, Super Pets. Actually, Super Pets figures would be cool. Mm-hmm. I do hope that he makes those. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sure Speedmaster will have that locked up. But yeah. yeah. Oh, they gotta get. I guess all the Shazam stuff ready too. Yeah. For this year now, hopefully it's all in production already. <laughs> oh, Uncle Todd, it doesn't take him long to turn something around, as we doesn't. know. Certainly no, doesn't. So. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I had, a, I had a pretty quiet week as well. Nothing too crazy. A lot of it spent here in the nerd room purging. I'm back at another purge. I feel like I do this every six months now. This has been a big one, a big, big one. And my, my model for this one was out with the new, in with the old. <laughs> that's what i've been doing so i've gone and made a massive swipe at my funko pops so i've decided all but a handful of my 2015 just monster dash to get any star wars or marvel funko pops all those ones are going i have no place for them they've been in a storage bin for two years which tells me that i don't need them in the collection anymore i don't have really any nostalgia towards them. I was thinking to myself, ah, maybe I'll keep the age of Ultron ones because they have a bit of, of a connection. I was like, you know what? I don't really have that big of a connection to any of it. Other than the fact that that's when I seriously got back into collecting and Funko pops. They're such an interesting thing because they are often, I think that first hit of the plastic that a lot of collectors, whether they're getting back in or getting into collecting for the first time, that is the, their first piece they get in because it's something they can quickly relate to, relatively inexpensive. It's small. It looks okay in the box. It looks okay out of the box, and it works. But then it just becomes this monster, this beast. And then all of a sudden, you've got like 100 Funko Pops, and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can attest to that. Maybe not firsthand, but by virtue of others in my house. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, it, and it turns out they're not the easiest things to sell, guys. <laughs> I talked to a couple of traders, and they said, yeah, we'll give you a buck a pop. <laughs> so your your return isn't great on these. And so enjoy them while you have them until the moment where you get tired of them and then have to flip them for one-thirteenth of what you paid for them. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where them being inexpensive kicks in. Also, mm-hmm. to your point, I think part of the appeal is that they're always the first merchandise to market yes like 100 yeah, even for the batman the batman funko pops are the very first thing to show up yeah and they're yeah that's exactly it because i know people with the batman got into the funkos because it was like i want to get my hands on some of this merchandise that's a really good point mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with marvel and you could find them everywhere toys r us eb games or GameStop, i guess it's now called every comic book shop you can think of literally every toy you sh- toy show you go to there's like a billion funko pops and so, like, they're very accessible, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't own a ton personally. But, uh, yeah, my wife quite loves them. And, yeah. It, and, you know, to each their own, like, mm-hmm. she absolutely adores them. Yeah. So I'm just like, ah, yeah, that's that's cool. I just have, like, the weird select ones up there. I got MJ and Elvis <laughs> from the 68 Comeback Special and stuff like that messing up for collection. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, so I've kept not a lot, but a, a handful of them, some turtles and all my cap ones I've got on display still out of the box, which I really like. And so, yeah, they're not completely going away, but for the most part, they're they're out of the collection. And what I did with that as well is that there is an opportunity, not with all pops, but with some pops to do a bit of a trade with her boy Marty over at Phoenix Comics. And so I did a little trade up this weekend where I took um, a couple Funko Pops and a few black series figures and i traded for a infinity saga set i got the iron monger and obadah stain two pack on a straight up trade so this is a pretty awesome set i don't know if you guys have seen this and carlos i don't know how if you've seen this before but it's basically like the iron giant (laughs) in figure form really heavy really dense figure and an awesome obadah stain from iron man one so does Obadiah fit in there? I don't know. I have not pulled it out to see if he actually fits in there or if it opens up. But I would say no, probably not, because the legs, maybe if you took Obadiah's body off or his legs off, it would go in, but it doesn't look like it fits in. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly to scale. It looks a little small, like for like the six-inch scale as to compare to what it was for 
Iron Man. I'll have to pose it up because they've been pretty good with these Infinity Saga sets. And yeah, it's it's a cool piece. It's something I wanted but didn't want to pay the price tag for it. So it's doing it on a trade was very, very digestible. Yeah. For that's me. perfect, right? Yeah. You move a bit of stuff that's not bringing you joy and you bring mm-hmm. in something that does. Yeah, I did something similar when we first got married. It was just like, all right, here's a massive load of stuff and I've got that this Spider-Man bust that I I just adore. Like mm-hmm. it's still to this day. Like I got cool Marvel stuff, but I just love this thing. Like still. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's the way to do it. And so the, the trade has been a big thing. And the other thing I did, I decided when I'm talking about out with the new and with the old, I decided to that I'm completely out of this retro remake collecting. I'm done with it. And so I packed up my turtles, my 2020 SDCC exclusive and put them up. Hopefully going to sell them this week. I got a guy wanting them. And so if they're going out, that was a big decision. That was a big trigger pull for me because it is, it is a really cool look. It is the turtles repackaged their rotor molds. And so they're very similar to the original soft head turtles. They have the same look. They're a little bit bigger. And I just said to myself, look, I could sell this and potentially buy one of them in box if I really want it, or I could buy a whole slew of, of other turtle stuff, including the, the NECA stuff, which I still have yet to pull the trigger on that I have to this week as well. So I, I did that. And then also I said, I'm out of the six inch vintage card back black series too. So I sold off most of my, a new hope collection, that 40th anniversary stuff. And the ones that I actually didn't have on display, like an R2, a Stormtrooper, like I didn't have them in an open display, I cracked them open and put them in my display. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Good for you, man. Man, I'm out of it. it. It was, I looked at it and I was like, is this a good decision? And then I said to myself, these, and I had sold off all the Empire ones a bit ago, but these have all been sitting in a bin for like a year and a half when I put them away because I said, I, I don't have the space to display these anymore. And I said, why am I keeping these? Why? Like, I don't have any connection to them. I don't love them. They're cool. But it, I'm just over it. And so I said, look, if I feel that way now, psh, gone. And I looked them up. You can, if you really need to get them back, you can get them back for a relatively reasonable price. I priced them to sell and they went. So see you later. But I got some cracking to do. I got a few more to open up here. Also Han Solo, like the original Han Solo, I don't have on display open from okay. the orange card and that so i gotta crack him open and i had i'd never had an r2 on display a proper r2 well that's cool yeah that's cool well and it's funny because i was r2 is one of the characters that the kid was looking for for her collection and i ended up just finding for five bucks i pulled the tim and i bought like just not part of the force but an attack of the clones r2 nice. <laughs> and he's like just a touch too small but she like loves him and he actually has like lights and sound so he's a little more fun than a Wicked. black series would be but uh yeah it was r2 and he came with like the weird worm things that they send to go yeah. kill padme they look like <laughs> stick press on eyelashes but uh that's cool man i gotta you gotta love going in and, and just dipping your toes just a little bit into that so that's was that three and three quarter inch scale i guess yeah it must have been um, it, it is, but it's way too big to be three and three quarter inch. And I think because he has the lights and sounds in him that they needed to just make the figure bigger. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Because it's funny because I, I didn't, I never collected either Attack of the Clones or Clone, none of it. And so the, there's a huge gap because I got Revenge of the Sith stuff and I've got a ton of episode one stuff, but like I never collected that middle movie. And yeah. I've never owned one piece from it. Yeah, and the the toys that they put out for it were weird because there's like lots of playsetty things, or all the figures came with like action features. Yeah. So it's like there's 75 Anakin's, but it's like this one has lightsaber swinging action, and this one's arms pop off or whatever, right? So dislike sand. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So yeah, this R2, it's weird. Like they they just made it because they needed to make one, but. Yeah, he's just he's to my eye he's too small as a black series, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, at first glance you'd never you yeah, never as a know. Display piece, yeah, he probably probably doesn't stick out too much, but I'll keep my well, eye out because they pop up sometimes once in a while on on Kijiji and that, so I'll keep an eye out for for an R two because there's been quite a few. There's only been I think two releases of like a clean R two, like a New Hope R two, 
there's the orange card and then there's this re-release here and then you can still find like the dirty r2 mm. from empire days like from degaba so they're out there but we'll uh we'll, we'll hunt a little yeah i'm not i don't know that she's too worried she kind of has them in that that it's all about like mando season two right mm-hmm. so oh, with yes. the, yeah luke with r2 and the stolen cloak from the witcher yeah it's uh <laughs> <laughs> this play is, is complete, I think, for, for awesome. these, that that one moment. <laughs> yeah, and then you get that Rosier Dawson uh, Ahsoka. I think I'm going to buy that, actually, because it looks like a unbelievable figure. Yeah, I think she's one of the few that we have on pre-order. There's her and... Oh, yeah, she came in the same announcement as uh, Echo from the Bad yeah. Batch. So Wicked. Pipeline, man. Well, you're going to be feeding that, that Star Wars love for <laughs> the foreseeable future. It's funny because all I could think of when you said, oh, I got two figures, I was like, ooh, that's almost a, that's almost a hundy stick for, for those two those two oh. Black Series figures. <laughs> yeah, I, the pricing on them was all right, actually. They were 29 okay. which was like 10 bucks less than – because I got her that Throne Room Boba Fett like last week or whatever. Nice looking I, th- I think I talked about it. It's a great looking fig, but oh, Deluxe. price. Yeah, the price. Yeah, because they took the freaking backpack off his back and put it next to him instead. Rocket firing Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, they took that and they took the gun out of the holster. It's like it's a deluxe who, man. Who Don't, question Don't question it. Don't question it. All right. Well, there it is for this week. It wasn't nearly as exciting as last week's big, at least for me, big TMNT find. So if you haven't checked out my vlog on that you can go follow along for that big pickup so go over to our youtube channel check out all the videos over there give us a subscribe we got to get up to 500 subscribers our goal was by the end of june so help us out guys if you're listening go subscribe to the channel have some fun with us lots of toy talk over there much like we do here in our weekend nerd but carlos i think i think that about that about ends it for this week hopefully that moon knight review went okay and i had a lot of fun talking about some random and spurious topics from across the world of nerd this week and hearing all about those batman acquisitions man i gotta say even in even in the the time that we had here i had a lot of fun i think it was a nice decompression for both of us after coming mm-hmm. off a what feels like i feel like it's thursday already man <laughs> so we hope that you guys can find a little bit of peace along with us here if you've had a busy week running into thursday and we'll always be here on Thursdays, guys, every single Thursday, talking all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. And next week, we may touch a little bit more on Moon Knight, get Carlos's little little opinion on, on how he felt about that one. And maybe Carlos can also give us a short review of Morbius if he does venture with that free ticket over to the movie theater this weekend. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm pretty conflicted because like my anticipation was low, but... <laughs> Every hour it goes slower as I see the reactions. But I am very much a proponent for making up my own mind. So there you go, we'll man. There you go. Yeah. That's that's the way to go into it. I love it. I love it. And guys, if you want to be a bigger part of these conversations in any way, give your your input on Morbius. You can always email us at the nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. I say that, but every week I tell you I haven't updated it. So just Go to our podcast, <laughs> to be honest with you. The hunt is real, and it's over on Instagram. You can find myself, Carlos, and Ian posting over there. Just what we're finding, little things here and there. I'm going to put up something this week. Probably, I don't know. Who knows? My Ironmonger will be there at some point. So go check that out. And YouTube, like I said before, guys, go over there and subscribe. We're having lots of fun. There will be a new video up this week. Don't know what it's going to be, but it will be there sometime on Friday. You can check out what we're doing in this space and more of the toy world. So head over there, over there and give those videos thumbs up and give subscribe while you're at it. Much, much appreciated. And Twitter, you can find us there once in a while. It's talking about all this nerd stuff. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And that includes both Sanjay and Troy's, who at some point in a realm or future, maybe even a multiverse, will return to the podcast, even if it's just for some guest commentary. They will be here at some point, so their handles are also at the end of the episode. And with all that being said, Carlos and everyone out there listening, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room.
This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.